Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet Online, where the game starts. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> yes, bitch! It is the Mikey Likes You podcast. Welcome, everyone. How you doing? Good, I hope. First and foremost, thank you to Giorgio. The big Greek thick puto that is behind the scenes making sure that this is a fantastic podcast every time. Or at least sounds good and looks good. I can't, he has nothing to do with the content, which is really where your your, your bread is buttered. Um, bet online, as always. Uh, been there since the beginning. Thank you so much. My top tier, uh, all, actually all my patrons on my Patreon, but mostly my top tier ones because that's a real commitment and I, I absolutely appreciate it. If you're interested... Check out my Patreon link in the show notes below um, because I am here to help if you're looking for help. And uh, first attachment, the greatest health and fitness supplements on the planet. All right, so today's going to be a little bit more of an open-ended show. It's not going to be a Q&A, and I don't have a guest, but I wanted to talk about a couple things that have been ruminating in this brain of mine and I think are uh, either A, interesting, B, important, or both, hopefully both. Um, and the first thing is I was uh, I was going to the bathroom and I need a little help from my lesbian and gay male listeners or viewers because I thought about something as I was going poo in public. And I don't know... I mean, this may be like the dumbest shit ever. Pardon the pun. But it, I really was thinking about it. Here, here's where I'm going with this. So I'm going to the bathroom, and I'm, I'm unfortunately, I had to do a road show of number two. And no one likes to do that. If you're, like, pumped to go poo in public, you're sick. Because everyone would prefer to do that at home. But I eat a lot of fiber and protein and stuff, and it, I, what can I do? Right? So I'm going to the bathroom, and it's one of those, like, private bathrooms. It was a coffee shop, but it wasn't a star. It wasn't a chain. It was, like, a mom-and-pop coffee shop in Cedar Park, Texas. And uh, I'm doing this, and, it, and I'm the only one in there, and someone knocks. And I'm like, oh, well, one moment. And I really, genuinely was finishing up. And uh, all over my body, I had this feeling of, like, Please don't let it be a woman or and, and most certainly a reasonably attractive woman. Why? Because if a guy comes in and smells my disgusting poo, 
I don't like that, but I'm perfect. I can move on with my day. If I open that door after defiling a, a, a small bathroom and it's a girl, I, I, as a grown man who's married, still am like, oh, dude. Oh, that, no. I don't want that because I want to give off this image of not being gross to the opposite sex. Why? Because I am a straight guy who's attracted to girls, right? So there's some weird thing, primal thing, where I just have to constantly at least appear to be appealing. And smelly shit is not appealing. So my question is, is if you're a gay guy... Is, are you more concerned because of like just ba- basic, basic like kind of animal instinct? Are you more concerned about the girl or, or because you're gay, you're more concerned about a guy, right? Because I'm, there's no part of me that thinks I'm just like evolutionarily concerned about embarrassing myself in front of females. I'm only concerned about embarrassing myself in front of females because I bone, I want to be sexually attractive to females. There's zero concern. Like, I don't want guys to smell my smelly shit, but if they do, I go, oh, fuck you. You stink smelly shits too, right? I don't care because I don't want to impress them in any type of, like, sexual way. So I, my question is, is, like, are you more concerned about embarrassing yourself in front of the opposite sex regardless of your sexual proclivities or is it, tied into who you're sexually attracted to that is my question for you please fill fill me in help me with that because i i got to think this all started because i had like a damaging really damaging poo experience as a child i'm probably like like seventh grade what are you like 12 i'm probably about 12 years old and one summer my family my mom and my dad and myself, they, we were going to Hawaii. It was a big deal. You know, like we were like doing the family fun vacation thing. And my parents, like reasonable thinking people, go, uh, we're, now this is n- early 90s. Maybe, yeah, let me just, I'm trying to do the math. This is like the early 90s. So they fly first class and they put me in coach, which is, Cause I'm fucking 12. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not gonna, and I'm like, you could say, Hey, say, Hey, don't make it gender specific, but I'm a boy. So you're like, go be in the back. It's not as safe. Like a little girl. You're a little bit like, Whoa, who knows if some creep sits next to him, right? Sits next to her. My parents, they're not going to shell out the extra at that time, $700 to put me in first class. And I go, I fully support that. Right. Nowadays, it's even worse because nowadays first class is preposterously expensive. But back then it was like more expensive, but you would like normal people could fly first class, you know? So my mom and dad are sitting in first class and I am in the back and I have to shit. And I'm not at an age where like I can, (laughs) I'm not at an age where I can like control myself. I just panic because I have to take a big shit. And I realize that there's a line in coach for the bathroom and i'm like i can't wait so what do i do i go like well my parents are up there they're dead i know you're not supposed to if you don't pay for first class you can't go in the first class cabin and use that stuff but my parents are up there and i guarantee as like a sixth seventh grade kid 
they'll be like, yo, go ahead, you know? So what do I do? I go up there and I was like, mom, dad, and they're like, okay, okay. So I tell the flight attendant and she's like, of course, honey. So I go and I use the first class bathroom, which is better. And no one's, no one's in line. And I, and this was a bad session. And you know how airplane bathrooms are. It's like a closet. There's no way anybody's going to not know that the last person in there, when they do, you don't even have to use the bathroom. Probably the people sitting in the first couple rows would have been like, whoa, dude, that guy crushed it. But I had to do what I had to do. And I do this. And you can't really do courtesy flush as much in a bath, in an airplane, because the bathroom's in an airplane. Like, <gasps> So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to get out and I'm hopefully, and in your, you're doing poo in a bathroom in an airplane. You're like really cognizant of the fact that there's going to be someone ready because you open that tiny little narrow door and you're staring right at this person, right? So I'm just telling myself like wiping, washing my hands. I'm like, please don't let it be a hot chick. And I'm right at that age where it's like super embarrassing. This is 100% true. I know that you'd be like, no, this sounds like an American Pie movie. Movie. So I take this horrible shit, and I'm scared, and I'm worried, and I open the door in 1992, and Heather Locklear is waiting to get inside. At, like, peak Melrose Place fame and extraordinary hotness. Like, like... Like, you look at her and your eyes burn. You're like, oh, fuck. You're so hot. And I'm like, oh, oh, like my whole soul just, and I walked to the back. I walked right past my parents, didn't even say anything. I just walked back to my chair and I was like, oh, my God. As if there was any chance that Heather Locklear would want to have sex with 12-year-old me. But either way, it's like your ego is just so dented at the idea. So I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit rubbed raw by the idea of embarrassing myself in a toilet. But I don't know. It's something that came about in my brain when I was thinking about stuff. All right, next thing. Uh, Derek Lunsford just won the Mr. Olympia. And congratulations to him. His physique looked amazing. And uh, because whenever someone new wins the Mr. Olympia, inevitably, I saw he was one of the trending, number one trending things in the world, right, on all social media platforms. And I know that that means that there's about 5 million people around the world who are, like, going to figure out how he trains and how he eats and then try to replicate that. And I just want to take this moment to say this, and this is not in any way a knock against him or Hangy Rambot who trains him. And like his physique was amazing, but you're talking about extraordinary sci-fi level physique. And anyone who's anyone, including me, including people who are really in good shape and have an extensive training history, you are crazy to even assume that you're going to adopt the training principles of this man. And the reason I point this out is because I have so many people concurrently at the same time that I'm working with or that I just talked to you in, 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 in my private life that are like, dude, oh, I train twice a day, six days a week, and they're wondering why they're not getting their desired effect or they're achieving their goals. Or I program them something and it's like three days a week of strength training. 
and they're like, "This? Are you sure this is? An, am I misreading this? Am I supposed to do this three times over during?" And I go, "Dude, relax, and just invest effort into doing this over a long period of time, because these." maximum extremes should not dictate how people do things in both directions if you are someone who is 450 pounds 500 pounds if you're someone like you know biggest loser type people uh and i mean this with with genuine sincere love i'm not trying to at all like i'm not one of those guys but what you would do to train someone like that would be 20 minutes a day of some some low level movement just get your heart pumping a little bit right start walking a little bit more maybe start incorporating vegetables and some more whole as opposed to like super processed fast foods and and you know, pastries from convenience stores which is going to be mostly what's extremely obese people are eating right so it's like let's just start and just incorporate some more nutritious foods and let's get you let's get you moving a little bit you might even need to use a walker right because you're you're extremely your 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 joints and things can't take so that shouldn't be something that we use to model the average man and woman nor should Derek Lunsford or Janet Leug or some of these you know these extremes on both ends you you can't use those things to kind of dictate what you want to do to achieve your goals as someone who is living in normal person world um i just want you to to kind of heed and it's one of those again a lot of this podcast is me beating dead horses but it i i feel like it's valuable to do so because no matter how much this dead horse gets beaten it doesn't seem to affect people um and also you got to remember that these dead horse arguments are not the things that you're commonly being told because those don't sell very well and they don't get a lot of engagement on social media. What gets a lot of engagement on social media is incredibly elaborate kind of romantic looking things, incredibly romantic ideas with diet, um, cutting out all carbs becomes a lot more appealing at first glance than someone saying, yeah, you got to really monitor your overall intake. First, figure out your baseline caloric intake, and it sucks. You're going to have to spend a couple weeks measuring the amount of food that you you eat and then also monitoring your weight to see how much your baseline maintenance level is. And then from there, we're going to try to um, accurately pinpoint your goals and then either add or subtract calories from that, get a right kind of protein level and kind of fill in all these blanks. That, uh, that sounds hard because it is. It sounds boring because it kind of is. And that doesn't, it doesn't sound very good, right? If I put that on a, on a TikTok or I put that on a nice reel, um, no one's going to engage in that. If I put awesome pictures of ribeye and, uh, you know, like sizzling beef with uh, some butter and you go like, yeah, that, that looks delicious. And I go with my shirt off and abs go, this is all I eat. And this is the secret to actually getting ripped. And let me show you. And then, you know, I'm eating fucking organ meats, right? You know, that's, that's way cooler. It's way cooler, right? But it doesn't necessarily give you something that you could take with you to build your own kind of proper nutritional, uh, foundation. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a 100% true story. This is not from my own life. It's not a, a Heather Locklear poo story. This is a real story that happened. And you can look it up, okay? Um, and this is this is one of those things where you go, if you put this in a script, 
there's no way anyone would greenlight this movie or this short story because it's too preposterous, but it absolutely happened. And of course, this country, there's nowhere else on the planet that this could have happened except for the United States of America. There's an attorney and he's a very, very successful high powered attorney. He loves cigars. Again, let me remind you, this is totally true. He buys a box of 24 cigars that are extremely expensive. He insures said cigars for a good amount because they're expensive and then continues to smoke those cigars. When they're all gone, he files a claim with the insurance company who he insured them for because they were lost in fire, which is technically true. He lit them on fire and smoked them and they went away. So the insurance company pushes back and says, well, I, I, you did place a claim of insurance on these and you did insure them for many things, including arson and fire. Okay. So thinking they were going to figure out a way to get out of this, they denied him this claim. The attorney, being a very smart, high-powered attorney, sues them. He says, I have right here in this contract that I've insured said cigars for many things, including fire. So in, in avoiding a long, expensive litigation, they said, fine. They gave him the money that he sued for, which was close to $24,000, right? So the attorney has thought to himself, well, how, I mean, I am a genius. And the man is an extremely, extremely good attorney and clearly was functioning on a very high level because he has now made so much money that he has the dispensable income to buy cigars that cost thousands of dollars. He smoked them, he filed an insurance claim, and he was able to game the system because he is such a smart attorney that he now has gotten money back for smoking his cigars. But this insurance company was not, they were not uh, pushovers either, and they were very good at their job. So they then talked to law enforcement and had him charged with 24 claims and charges of arson, 24 separate charges of arson, because they could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he actually placed the fire on purpose to said cigars. The man served 16 months in jail and then had to return a certain stipend in, in fine money that the courts put on him. Now, that is an entertaining story, and that is one of the reasons why I wanted to tell it. But on, on, a, on a grander scale, I wanted to use it to point something out as it applies to not only health and fitness, but into life. Both the insurance company and this attorney were functioning at the highest levels. These are the best of the best doing optimum level stuff. No one can really deny that. These are the creme de la creme functioning at top 1% type of level and output. But everyone involved would have been a lot better off, would have ended up with a lot more money, would have ended up with a lot less strife in their life if he just smoked the fucking cigars. And my point is to you that you can spend an exorbitant amount of time looking for the exact right training program, 
the perfect split, and how to add in the perfect nutritional protocol to extrude these unbelievably minute little gains over a short period of time and how to add that in. And then I'm going to add in the right drugs and look at the bodybuilders and the professional athletes and the people who have done this stuff and they're, they're just functioning on this extreme high level. And you can do that. But I can guarantee you, you would be better off if you just shut your fucking mouth and smoke those cigars. Eat a high-protein diet. Don't eat over your baseline. And train consistently with a reasonable amount of split and just kind of get better every time and do that and do that and then live your life and don't worry about these nuances if you just did that you just smoked your stupid cigars for six months straight instead of acting like this attorney or acting like this insurance company for five to six weeks believe me six months of smoking the cigars will make you a lot better off all right, so that is one thing that I wanted to talk about and one thing that I wanted to kind of get out because I'm telling you, it doesn't seem to ever end, this idea of people, when you tell them the amount of volume or the amount of training overall or the 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 basic kind of idea of diet and nutrition, when you give them that, almost always, unless they're really struggling and really lost, they will push back and say, like, that doesn't seem like enough. I'm accustomed to doing more. And they'll give me this program that they've already been doing where they're training like crazy amounts of volume and they're doing lots of different exercises for each body part. And they're, and I go, well, okay, you're used to doing more. You're This is what you're accustomed to. How come you're reaching out to me for help and you haven't achieved your goals? That seems like a really simple kind of gotcha journalism response. But let's be honest. It's kind of reality, right? You found this thing on T Nation. You found this thing, this split on some website and you've been following and you've been driving yourself into the ground and you still reached out to me for assistance and I'm giving you this three-day-a-week program and uh, you're telling me it's not enough because you can do more. Well, if you could do so much more, if you could do so much better, if, if your way of doing it was so right, then why are you reaching out to me in the first place? I've worked with extremely high-level people, extremely high-level people that are training professionals to get on stage with single-digit body fat. And if they don't come in with like an inch bigger chest circumference and an inch smaller waist, like it's it's a, a matter of life and death for them. And almost to a T, they, t- they have me training less. Almost to a T. They will have me double down on my effort with diet and they will have me pull back my effort with training. They're always like, dude, well, why are you training with Flex Wheeler's 1998 program there, dude? You're a you're a 40 year old house, you know, a husband and father. Like, chill the fuck out. How about this? How about just like find a more reasonable, sustainable diet and follow that for a long period of time? And let's just get you progressing. Let's get you a little bit more dense, okay? Like, just just slow your roll. And I'm talking about top-tier dudes, okay? Once in my life, I had someone who actually pushed me to go farther. And that was because I, at that time, I didn't end up doing it. But at that time, I was open with this person that I was like, well, I think I'm, I'm going to get back on gear. 
Okay. And I was probably four, around 40. This, I, I know I was living in Venice. This was before the pandemic. And I'm 44 now. So I'm going to say I was 39, 40, 41, somewhere in that ballpark. And I didn't end up doing it. I actually ended up just taking this guy. I paid him the, the money and I, I took the advice that he gave me because this guy's Jack and really active and mobile. So I, I looked at him because I was starting to see, I always work out, I always train and I always eat right. But I was getting, I was starting to hurt as I got older. I was starting to wake up more buff and more in pain and more less mobile, less like I do like, I would be training Muay Thai with Coach Vic. Shout out to Coach Vic. Uh, back in Venice area, Thai Boxing Institute, anybody in the Los Angeles area, magnificent place, magnificent guy, Coach Vic. But I would start to know, like, my hips just wouldn't turn over as much. I was really tired, just, like, jumping rope to warm up. I would feel, I, I felt heavy, I felt slow. So I reached out to this guy, and I said, you know what, I'm, I want to get leaner, I want to look better in the mirror, but I also, I want to feel and move better, and he's like, okay, and he gave me this program, and I said, and here's the caveat, I'm pretty open to getting back on gear too because this guy's pretty open about using lots of gear, you know? And I didn't have falling through with it because uh, things happen. Life happened. And I was like, what are my priorities right now, actually? And uh, it didn't end up falling. But that's the one time I had someone who was like doubling down on my actual output. And that is only because I, I'm pretty sure uh, I had put the addendum of like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, let's let's go for it. I'll, I'll make a trip down to Mexico or call up a doctor if you know what I'm saying. Um, so just keep that in mind that, you know, Trump has an incredibly misguided view on exercise and healthy living. No one would deny that. Even Donald Trump would. But, you know, I remember him saying, you know, like, I don't exercise. I don't. Because I only have so much energy and I don't want to waste it sweating. I want to be able to give you all that I have, you know, as president. You know, he said, he's like, I only have so much energy and I don't want to waste it exercising. And which is crazy because actually, you know, if you even have a small understanding of like how the human body works, exercise will actually increase your ceiling. You know, in the initial stage, you feel drained because you're exercising. But overall, if you're someone who's consistent with exercise and eating right, it actually raises your capacity to have energy and be, you know. But, but one thing he is saying is true. Like you only, regardless if you're working to raise your ceiling, you only have so much. Okay? It's like, it, it, think of it like your credit limit, right? On a credit. As you get more wealthy, your credit limits go up. But you're still only given a credit limit. Right? So when you're, tw you're in college, you're a 20-year-old college kid, or you're just starting, you just moved out of your parents' house, your credit limit might be like 800 bucks. Okay, but as you start saving more money, as you start to make more wise decisions, that goes up and up and up. And that's the same thing with exercise and your energy. But you're still only there. And if you're a 45-year-old guy and uh, you're not on drugs, I, I am on hormone replacement there, but let's say you're 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 a 40-year-old, 35-year-old male or female who's normal. You're not like a professional crossfitter or some shit. And you want to get in shape. You you're still your credit limit's the same. It'll gradually go up as you get more and more in good shape, but you still only have what you have. And if you start spending above your credit limit, things go south. 
And if you're wrestling or doing jujitsu or you're doing CrossFit four times a week and then you also want to do a bodybuilding program and you also are like working 80 hours a week and you're trying to support your family and you also just had a newborn and you're not sleeping that well, like your credit limits goes like this and you're you're trying to spend like this. And that's a bad fucking move. There's zero. There's very, very, very little downside, if any, to working really hard but staying underneath your maximum output. There's an mag, just of exponentially many orders of magnitude worse problem to just slightly go above it. And I'm all on board when it comes to mind frame of the David Goggins or the Kobe Bryant, you know, where it's like, take the, just, just say, fuck it. And let's go push, push, push. It doesn't matter if you're hurting, push. If you don't feel like going push, I, the mind frame of that is beautiful. But when it comes to actual X's and O's of your actual physical output, trust me, more is not better. Training, being slightly undertrained is way better way better than being slightly overtrained now if you're tim kennedy who i personally know in the guys my age and was a professional ufc and strike force fighter his body's been beaten to shit and when he wasn't doing that was like elite level special forces flying all over the world getting very little sleep and enacting in the most stressful situations and now you want to train he trains like three times a day and still fucks people up i understand that's fine because you got to remember outside of that tim is doing everything he can to check off all those boxes as far as rest recovery eating right like you're not gonna address me i know like i know the guy you're not gonna see like Tim showing up at noon, like uh, whiskey on his breath, and being like, oh, "I'm just uh, ugh, hurting." Didn't even have breakfast this morning because I was so hungover. Like that doesn't happen. It's zero percent time, and that's the only reason he's capable. And also, he's like a little crazy. Tim's like a little fucking crazy. He's always like, "Dude, come, we're going. Me and Shane are going to do a workout. You want to come with it?" I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, totally." I said that to his face in my. Bo- I was like, "Fuck that! You guys are going to beat the shit out of me." And I'm in really good shape. So um, my point being is that if you want to enact the mind frame of the people that you see online that you really admire, that are go-getters, you hear about, you know, like I said, like the legendary stories of Kobe Bryant, the legendary stories of the things that David Goggins will tell you, which I think is beautiful and amazing. That mind frame is beautiful and it is something that you should take into it. You know, if you want something, just be willing to die for it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to beat yourself up because there is a, a a very, very acute law of diminishing returns when it comes to output as opposed to what you're capable of doing. All right. So those are the things that I wanted to kind of go over today. And when I talk about volume, the overall amount of training that you do and the amount of hard work that you do I'm not someone who's married to ideology meaning I don't think you have to adopt Arnold Schwarzenegger's high volume approach nor do I think you have to adopt Mike Menser's low volume high intensity approach what I do think you need to do is really have a thorough understanding of the relationship between the two 
And that if you are a regular person who wants to have extraordinary results, it is always better to just push your intensity to the roof and try to regulate your volume as opposed to try to just continually add volume at the compromise of your if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey with indeed everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy leveraging over 140 million qualified and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entity. Because all of those people that will write back to me or Brett Contreras, I've heard Brett Contreras talk about it. I've seen some of his posts online. Um, where, you know, everyone is so married to this idea that they have to do more and more and more. He's like, okay, well then show me one of your workouts. And inevitably he's like, well, you're not training very hard at all. Like really not at all. You did 60 sets for your legs this week, but all 60 were like three rep in reserve. You'd be a lot better off if you did 10 sets to absolute failure. And it's the truth. It's the truth. There's a If you're going to have that marriage between intensity and volume, and as volume goes up, your intensity has to go down. And as intensity goes up, your volume has to go down, right? Again, I'm not married to either or. I think there's value in both. But you have to understand that if you're going to err on the side of something, absolutely err on the side of intensity over high volume. Because once you get into junk volume where you're doing just sets to do them, and you're more worried about how sore this muscle cell gets versus how actual the actual progress that you're making, then you're getting into that cycle where you're just burning yourself out. Trust me. There's never been a time where someone just actually put faith in the program and busted their ass with a training log and a journal for two to three days a week, and they were constantly doing whatever they could to beat that logbook logbook, and go and go and go. More intensity, more intensity. Making those two or three work sets really count. There's never been a time when that person regretted doing it six months later. And there's been plenty of times, myself included, where the person who has just continued training more and more and more and more, regardless of kind of the quality of said volume, will look at themselves six months later and go like, wow, shit, what the fuck's going on? Because contrary to popular belief, really high rep, really high volume sets and reps is incredibly taxing in the central nervous system. There was this absolutely super low rep, super high weight stuff is, is very taxing to the CNS. But people got that conflated with actual like high intensity, six to eight rep range, sometimes 10 reps of pushing that, set to failure they got that conflated with like powerlifting work where you're doing one to three reps to absolute failure or p hitting prs which is utterly exhausting 
to your central nervous system. But so is 15 to 20 reps for six sets. And that's, that's you know, one, six of the 20 that you're doing in every workout and you're doing that six days a week. That is equally, if not more exhausting to the central nervous system. So having that curated kind of middle ground where you're really just like giving it your all. And here's another thing, like it's, this person asked me the other day, they go, because we were having a conversation about grappling and about weight training and stuff. And he's an older fellow like me, but he's fucking jacked. And he's like, why do you do this though? You know, because he was saying, Are, do you plan on competing again? And I go, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm too old. And I like nowadays, grapplers are so good. There's fucking blue belts that just got their blue belt yesterday that just trounced me. Like a blue belt, some of these blue belts, especially out in the Austin area and Southern California, they're black belts in 2005. Like literal there's guys winning ADCC that are like, they don't even, they're like, I think I'm a blue, but I don't know. I don't really care because the game is elevated so much. Like I can't, I'm a purple belt. If I go into a purple belt competition in Austin, there's going to be people who do that for a living and they're going to fuck me up, you know? So I, I don't um, ever plan on competing again, but I train a lot. Right. And I don't ever compare. I don't ever think I'll ever make money with my physique. Giorgio's uh, vomiting in his own mouth right now. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think I'll ever make money on my physique, but I still work out like crazy and I still eat like really uh, a really monitored strict diet. Why? I don't. I, it's not about my abs and it's not about like winning a competition. I do it because it's my only really really meaningful outlet of therapy. I'm not shitting on talk therapy. I'm not shitting on medication. I think it could be life-saving. It doesn't work for me. And I could try. And I put in the work, man. I can put in the work. Now, with recovery, it's been different. I, I do think like the group setting and being open and stuff has been uh, unbelievably valuable. But if, right, it's necessary. It's mandatory. I'm talking about just me feeling like happy Mike. I have to have that moment where society doesn't get in the way of me just going crazy. And the reason I mention that is because people, when they go to the gym, they feel like it's some chore. I was like, how about this? How about, maybe your wife's being a little cunty, right? Maybe your your kid is at that age where they're starting to get a little moody and they idolize uh, emo rappers and they're giving you attitude and they're like, life doesn't even mean anything. And like, you know, I actually saw this gender studies professor and she told me that I don't even have to acknowledge you as my father it's a, I get it like shit everyone goes through these moments in life real life that matters right your boss is a fucking ass maybe your boss is a fucking asshole and you have you have genuinely had daydreams about just walking into his office and kicking him in his fucking head or her stupid fucking head but you don't right because that would be, be career suicide maybe your wife or your husband is just being so selfish. And you just want to lay into them, right? Like uh, like Tom Cruise in uh, Tropic Thunder. Just like, listen here, you fuck. But you can't do that, right? Unless you're a sociopath. It's your partner. And I'm sure I've been, you've probably been that person in your relationship, right? Everyone, you know, you get those points. Here's something where you can go, you can go to the gym and load on those plates and you're saying, for this set, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to get violent and I'm going to get angry and I'm going to just leverage every piece of emotion I have into this barbell or this dumbbell, right? 
I'm going to hit this heavy bag and I'm going to hit it so hard over and over again. And I'm just going to feel every part of my body. Just all the tension is going to go away. Right. I don't want to, I don't uh, encourage you doing that with training partners, but, but either way you get out on the mat sometimes. And even if you're not like a meathead kind of bully guy, there's those situations where someone's smashing their forehead into your face. They're trying to pass your guard. They're smashing it. And you could go like, yes, yes, let's go. I'm going to think my way out of this. And I feel this incredible visceral tension. I got goosebumps. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to find a way out of this, right? Or there's someone who's like, guard is so strong and you can't pass it, but you're like, no, no, I'm going to, and you push and you push, you find, you pass their guard and you go, ah, you feel like a a million bucks, right? That's what it, that's what it means to me. And that's what I encourage you to do as opposed to you're going to the gym, right? And this is the reason why you think you have to train five, six days a week. It's because you go to the gym and you're like, oh, okay, uh, now I'm supposed to do, uh, now I'm supposed to do overhead press. Okay. Uh, let me check my phone real quick. Uh, overhead press. Okay. No, I do six sets, the whole workout, but those six working sets, you think someone pumped me full of, of just like Hitler's liquid meth, that shit they used to inject into him before he'd give a speech. And you're like, what the fuck is with that guy? Jesus Christ. That's how I feel. Get a little pre-workout in there. And I go, and I exercise. When they say exercise, I mean exercise, not like get a sweat on. I exercise like I exercise a demon. All that bullshit that's inside of me. I, I, I fucking exercise it like an exorcist would do. And that's where you get that's where you get rubber to the road, brother. I don't know why I turned into like truck driver, tough talking truck driver. <laughs> but it's super bitching, brother. <laughs> All right. In this crazy mix up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.